Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, let's get our postgame coverage underway as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers in this Battle of Alberta. And to kick things off on our Flames Talk postgame show, we go immediately to the Flames locker room and check in with Flames forward Adam Klapka, who made his NHL debut tonight. Adam, I know you, you would have loved this to be a win, but just, uh, I guess, take us through the entire experience in your first NHL game. Yeah, hi. I just want to say hi to you. Um, I mean... You know, you, you're. Really, I'm really happy that I can, I can, I, I could play my first NHL game. Obviously, want the, the team win, but yeah, I enjoy it. But uh, it's not with happy ending. Yeah, how did you, how did you feel the game went tonight? How, uh, how close was it out there? Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't show up the, the best. What I, I think I can play much better than I play but obviously you know it's your first game you it's something different than in NHL so yeah I mean I think I can I can play more uh, I can play more with the puck than I because I you know I didn't play with much for, with the puck so I mean I should I should I should be more with the puck and make some chance for my for my teammates how did you um, how did you feel about the entire game for the team and and just the way the game went for the team tonight I mean, we 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 could start a little bit better than we did, but I think in second period we came back and we we really we really get back to the game. We play we play we play really hard, but you know it was about the one goal and that we didn't score. How how different did you find the NHL? What uh, what were the big differences you noticed? I mean, you know, the guys here are, uh, are smarter and make can make play on the small areas. So I think you have to be. You have to be careful how you're passing and where you where you're skating. But you know, like I mean, I watch a lot of videos during the before the game and during the last couple of days. So I mean, it's really, I mean, you have uh, it's more time here to, to skate with the puck, and obviously the guys are smarter and better. And just a last question for you, Adam. I know you didn't get the win, but overall, did you did you have fun? Was it a was a great experience in your first NHL game? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, you know, I was I really enjoyed it, and I'm really appreciated I can make my NHL debut tonight. Adam, congratulations on the debut. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. That is Adam Klapka postgame. He made his NHL debut as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. All right, we're underway on our Flames Talk postgame show. It is Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. Around the table with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills as well here in the Hot Stove Lounge. Uh, Mick, they probably shouldn't have been down only one nothing in the first, but they were. Dan Vladar was outstanding, and then the Flames kind of gradually got closer and closer in this game. Turned out to be a hard-fought final 40, but in the end, uh, the, the lucky bounce for the Oilers early in the third, and then they did a nice job of, of shutting it down from there as uh, the Oilers go on to win this one 3-1. What would you make of the, uh, the course of this game tonight? Yeah, well, they weren't sharp enough off the start, obviously. Vladar was excellent but just giving up way too much um all over the place in the offensive zone so that's not the start that you want against a team like the Edmonton Oilers and 
you know, throughout the course of the game, I do think that you give them credit for sticking with it the way that they did and finding ways to generate some offense. But, you know, they still weren't dangerous enough. You look at their scoring chances in the third period, they had 12 scoring chances, but according to Natural Statric, only three of them were high danger. So that just tells you that they're not getting um, to the areas that they need to to be really dangerous offensively. And then, you know, throughout the course of the game, th- 14 giveaways, like that's that's way too many. So uh, give them credit for hanging around, sticking around, and, you know, unlucky bounce on the game-winning goal. But that's that's the way it goes sometimes. That's the game of hockey. Yeah, it's funny because on Thursday night, the Flames basically got beat by one guy, Austin Matthews, and a 4-3 loss to the Maple Leafs. He had three goals and an assist. Tonight, if you would have told me that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl would combine for zero points, I would have told you that I love the Flames' chances to win this Battle of Alberta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get a point. And the Oilers, thanks to their depth, found a way to win this hockey game. And, yeah, they got a lucky bounce on Sam Gagne's game-winning goal. The Flames almost got it right back yeah. with, with the puck pinballing around at the other end uh, not long after that. But uh, the Oilers get the bounce that the Flames don't. But the Oilers deserve to win this hockey game. Stuart Skinner, again, gives up just one goal. He has now given up two or fewer in nine straight games. The Oilers in 11 straight games. And this is a different-looking team than the one we've seen for the last number of years you know, they were a team that could uh, certainly beat you 6-5, to five, but uh, I wasn't sure that they were a team that can consistently beat you 2-1 or 3-2, but that's what they've been during this 13-game winning streak, the longest by a Canadian team in NHL history. So I tip my cap to them. Dan Vladar was fantastic in the first period, kept his team in this game. Flames were a lot better in the second period, just couldn't get another one in the third, but it was a really good hockey game yep. and, and fun to watch. It's our Flames Talk post-game show here on this uh, on this Saturday night, and our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota was the fact that uh, this was uh, round two of the Battle of Alberta. They'll play again on February 24th at Rogers Place in Edmonton for round three. Unfortunately, the Flames uh, Flames gave it a push, especially in the final 40, to try and snap this uh, winning streak, but it's now up to a franchise record 13 for the Edmonton Oilers as they just keep on rolling. Assistant coach Kale McClellan, Lane is going to join us here in the hot stove lounge in a little bit. It's uh, Derek, Megan, and Pat around the table on your uh, Flames Talk postgame show. Uh, let's select tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Uh, you have a smirk. I think. Are, are, are you going Are you going in the, uh, the way of the goaltender tonight? Yes, I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Look at Mackenzie Weger as well, the game that he played. I thought that he was excellent. He just continues to play with a ton of confidence, obviously scoring a goal. Led the team in uh, ice time as well, or tied Noah Hannafin exact to the second at 25 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, But he had six shots on net, something he's done really well this season. So honorable mention to Mackenzie Weger, but Dan Vladar was just absolutely outstanding. That game could have been blown wide open in the first period if it weren't for him. And just over the course of the full 60 minutes, he was outstanding looked confident and sharp and solid uh outstanding night for dan vladar in his third straight start we're expecting jacob markstrom to be ready um and uh and and 
perhaps ready to go Tuesday when the Flames continue this homestand uh, against the St. Louis Blues. But Dan Vladar, your hardest working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. One area that uh, definitely the Flames could have uh, used uh, a little bit of a boost in tonight, the power play, Derek. That that could have been one of the areas. The, the Oilers only got two. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that you've been pointing out now, geez, I want to say you've been pointing this out since like late November, how disciplined the Flames have been. They don't take a lot of penalties these days, and they didn't. Uh, Ryan Huska told us about that pregame, like, hey, they're going to get a couple power plays, but if we can limit it to two or three, we'll be in good shape. Well, check mark there, only two Oilers power plays. Flames got three power plays of their own and two full ones, uh, but that one in the second period and then the key one in the third period, they just really couldn't generate much on. And it's funny because uh, I would say more often than not, when they've struggled on the power play this season, it's been with entries. Mm-hmm. And the entries have been a lot better of late. Uh, prior to tonight, they had scored a power play goal in four straight games for the first time this season. They've been much better at, if not winning the faceoff and keeping the puck in the offensive zone than re-entering the offensive zone. But tonight, they just uh, didn't get a lot of good looks. And when they did, hey, uh, every team's most important penalty killer is their goaltender. And Stuart Skinner wasn't as good as the guy at the other end of the ice because he didn't have to didn't be, but to be, yeah. he still came up with some uh, big saves. And you know, the Oilers paid the price in front of him as well. Some important shot blocks and... Uh, yeah, they could have used a power play goal, but again, really for all intents and purposes, it's a one-goal game decided by a shot that Sam Gagne took from behind the net that bounced off two or three bodies and in. So uh, it's hard for me to nitpick any area of the Flames game outside of how they started it. I did not like the start. I expected the Oilers to be fired out of a cannon with a chance to rewrite the NHL record book. They were, and... I didn't like how the Flames responded until the start of the second period. Yep. Well, I'll nitpick the power play. <laughs> uh, for me, I would agree the entries have been outstanding, but for me, there's just way too many missed passes, and they they miss the mark. Like Huberto missed a couple of passes by like two or three feet, and so you can't make those kinds of missed passes, and it, it's an execution thing for me. Um, on a power play especially like you have your most skilled players out on the ice for a power play and there was way too many times tonight where they missed passes like that where they weren't even under pressure so unforced errors on the power play I think that that's something that definitely needs to be much better yep um, as we continue along on our Flames Talk post-game show, Flames uh, fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers. Again, a couple, uh, couple of other positive things I'd point out that the backland line had a really, really oh, strong so game good. tonight. Yeah. Huge, huge in terms of what they did against uh, slowing down the McDavid line. Um, and I did want to ask uh, Mick, Wilsey, what did we think about the three returning players? Actually, you know what? Instead of, uh, instead of kicking that around the table, we'll get into that with uh, assistant coach. Coach Kale McLean, who's just sitting down with us here uh, in the Hot Stove Lounge. It's our Flames Talk postgame show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills, Pat Steinberg around the table, and now Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, does join us live here. Uh, Kale, a, a hard-fought one. I know that uh, you, you won't love the first period, but how would you like the way the group kind of responded and, and uh, played from there? And overall, what did you think of this game tonight? Uh, I 100% agree that we didn't we didn't like the first period. We were on our heels. Thought that we gave them too much respect in the first. 
but uh, we got uh, you know a little more push in our game in terms of checking in the second, and you know the last 40 minutes were solid minutes when you can keep the big guys off the board the way we did. Um, you should be able to win those games. So it's a it's a disappointing loss for sure to uh, not come up with two points in that scenario. Really unfortunate bounce in the third period. That was the difference in the game. But um, there are some positives to take out of that and certainly a first period that needs to be corrected. Uh, In terms of offense, uh, especially in the third period, you guys, you had some chances and um, natural statric had you guys at 12 scoring chances, but only three high danger. So, uh, Mm. you know, even in the third period, you you look at that stat and in terms of being dangerous or over the course of the game, what did you think of the team's offense? Um, I thought that we were too hesitant to shoot in the first place. I thought early in the game, that was a, a bit of our Achilles heel right off the bat because we didn't get enough pucks toward the net and those aren't the those initial ones aren't the high dangers but the the rebound or the next play or the sort of broken down coverage that follows is what we needed to establish and i thought that we did a poor job of uh, just like having that shot mentality right off the bat until i think it was the backland line late in the first period all of a sudden had a little bit of momentum there was a little bit of uh, spreading the zone and then attacking the net but that was a big difference in the third period there were some glimpses of it where we had a few um, and I haven't looked at them again yet, where we created some point shots and created a little bit of havoc around Skinner, and there are a few chances out of that. But that was a, you know, that's a big factor. We weren't getting anything off the rush. We weren't really getting anything, getting anything um, through the neutral zone. It had to be more in zone, and we didn't do enough of that. If you go back to 2015, 2016. Connor McDavid is number one in the NHL in points, and Leon Dreisaitl is number two. And Dreisaitl had a goal in three straight games coming in. McDavid had a point in 12 straight games coming in. But you keep the big guys off the score sheet tonight. Did you like the way your team defended McDavid and Dreisaitl? And if so, what did you like about uh, how the Flames handled those two? Um, I, I know there were a few times when they broke loose through the neutral zone, and it's usually off of sort of uh, not so much poorly managed pucks, but it was it would be a, a bit of a forecheck situation where the puck becomes um, up for grabs a little bit or in question, and they're able to sweep through the dot line and just sort of grab those loose ones or the rim and just hope for uh, their wing to be able to just get a piece of it, get it by our D, and then they're onto that puck. So those did come up a few times that I didn't like. But what I did like about how we defended those two guys was in zone. You know, we talk about being strong on our dot line when McDavid walks up the wall and they make those exchanges and he looks for the seams to the inside. I thought we did a good job there. We limited their um, offensive zone time by not allowing them to walk over the top of the zone. We also, I don't think we're great, but considering who you're dealing with, we were solid at uh, our play down low under the net. You know, there weren't a lot of pass out opportunities right. for them tonight. And usually they create a fair amount of those against every team they play. So I thought that our ozone play against them, uh, the big guys was solid, but there were some breakdowns off of our forecheck from how they sort of rim and, and skate onto pucks. We're chatting with Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, following this uh, 3-1 setback against Edmonton. Um, 
I, I guess I guess can just ask you about um, the three returning faces or two returning faces and one new face. You had uh, Klapka, Coronado, and Gilbert, who all uh, were additions to the lineup tonight. What what did you make of those three? I guess maybe starting with Adam and his NHL debut. Oh, I thought that um, Adam got better as the game went on. I thought that uh, he is a huge presence out there. He was physical when he could be physical. I thought that he did make some plays on the wall to get out of our zone in terms of exit plays, whether it was you know having a little bit of poise and finding the center or whether it was just getting pucks out simply. I thought he did a good job with that. Um, there, you know, There's little structural things that, well, those are um, – corrections that we can make as we go and sometimes that's the nervous energy of a player in his first nhl game but uh, overall i thought he was solid for his first outing there i thought he tried to be physical and i thought that he had a presence so um solid there matt coronado was trying to find his way to the net trying to find and generate shots i'm not sure what he ended up with in that department three it looks like so um i think that maddie's always going to want more shots i think uh, his work ethic was good. There's, you know, areas of the rink where I, th- I think we all, and Maddie's included in this, is uh, we can do a better job of pushing the puck forward against a team like that. Yeah. That is lethal off of those kind of um, blue line-ish turnovers. That's that's an area we got to tighten up. Um, and Gilbert, you know, physical and simple with the puck. I thought that was a solid game for him. They, you know, it's it is a it's a big matchup if he finds himself uh, and Osterley on the other end of an icing when 97 comes out. That's a big matchup for anyone. So that uh, I think they're off the board. So they did their job in that department for sure. Uh, wanted to ask about Mackenzie Weger, obviously scoring his 10th goal tonight. Now tied leading defenseman in the league. He's just been outstanding i have a huge appreciation for a defenseman who can play so well defensively but then contribute offensively as well what do you think has allowed him to be so successful and find that balance uh, you know, I think that he he has a good feel for when to jump. I think uh, Chris Tanev is unreal at jumping into the play. He's really good at it. And I think Mackenzie Wieger's right there with him in terms of, like, having the feel for when to go. Even even the play that Mackenzie scored on today was a, was a little bit of a questionable play, questionable play from up top because it almost looked like he should be in the back and let Manjapani go. But he read Manjapani was slowing down to stay on side and he just drove right through, right to the net, created a good option for Coleman and created a goal. I think that um, McKenzie's, he's he's got a good knack for that, um, that being opportunistic at the right time. And I don't, I don't think you teach that. I think it's something that he's just, he's uh, got good feet and he's willing to find those holes, but he, he does a good job of picking the right times. Four steps forward, two steps back in your last six games, but... Do you like the direction the team is trending in, heading to the back half of this homestand? You've got the Blues, the Blue Jackets, and the Blackhawks before the NHL's All-Star break? Yeah, I think we're solid. I don't think there's any reason to panic right now. I think that um, we you know, we pulled one out against Arizona, so I can't say that we've been playing our best hockey, but we've been solid the last couple nights, and we need to sure up some areas. But our body of work over, over the last chunk of time, like 10 to 15 games, has been pretty solid every night. 
and we need to find ways to now carry that over and check really well against St. Louis, but create more on the inside, like we talked about, create more goals against a team that's stingy in there, and you find a way to get this right back on track because we're you know we're not giving up uh, you know six two losses here. We're just yeah. a, a shy you know under. We just got to find a way to be a shade over. Basically, a couple of one goal losses to good teams and the Maple Leafs and the Oilers, right? Yeah, it's easy to get like down on it because yeah. uh, you also love to beat both those teams so much that it hurts a little bit extra. And I know the fans feel that too, so it's easy to be you know, um, feeling down about it, but the sun will come up tomorrow and we will get ready to go on St. Louis. And if we can, we can, you know, keep moving ahead here, we're going to be in good shape. Thank you, Cal. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck on Tuesday. Hey, okay. Thanks guys. Cal McLean flames assistant coach following a three, one loss to the Edmonton Oilers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. As we continue along on our flames talk post game show, uh, Steinberg along with Derek and Megan and the flames will continue this, uh, six, game homestand game four is on tuesday night it'll be against the st louis blues for a 7 p.m puck drop flames back on the practice ice on monday and uh, before we get there let's get some final thoughts from our broadcast crew of Derek wills and megan mickelson starting with mick yeah well just like willsey said like it's not like they're getting blown out of the water they're one goal games that they've lost so a lot of a lot of things to like for me again I know I've said it a lot is that finding that consistency in their game and the full 60 minutes in terms of how you show up and how you play this is a team they know what their identity is they know what they need to do to win now it's a matter of showing up and doing that but I also have to say I just I love the mindset and the mentality of this coaching staff we just heard Kale McLean say like the sun will come up tomorrow it's a new day and that's the way that this coaching staff has approached this season it's every day is a new day and another opportunity to be better to get better uh, and to win hockey games and I think that that's a big reason why this team has been able to forge ahead the way that they had so expecting them to come out with uh, a hard-fought game on Tuesday I'm not going to sit here and gush over the orders and spend no. half an hour talking <laughs> about all the records the team is breaking and their players no. are breaking because what records? this is a Flames radio broadcast and that's going to sound a lot like nails on a chalkboard to most of our listeners, but I will say this. I tip my cap to them. They're a team that is evolving. They used to be a team that had to win higher scoring hockey games. Uh, a team that if Connor McDavid and or Leon Dreisaitl weren't carrying them had a hard time winning. They're not that team anymore, at least not right now. 13 straight wins. To, to set a franchise record when you have the history that that franchise has mm-hmm. and the five Stanley Cups that they won in the 80s and early 90s with all of those Hall of Famers, that's pretty impressive. Bonkers. And to become the first Canadian team in league history to win 13 straight games, that's pretty incredible. So... When you think about how their season started, which was very similar to how the Flames season started. And Remember the narrative at the Heritage Classic? Oh, yeah. Whoever yeah. wins this game is uh, <laughs> maybe going to save their season. The other team's dead in the water. Well, the funny thing is the Orders won that game at Commonwealth Stadium and then lost the next four. So that didn't 
magically fix all of their problems, but they made a coaching change. They're getting lots of saves from Stuart Skinner, and they're winning even when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are held off the score sheet like they were tonight. Now, from a Flames perspective, you throw out the empty netter, and the Flames would love to be able to throw out uh, the goal that uh, was scored a couple of minutes into the third period. Sam Gagne's goal from behind the goal line that went off at least two players and maybe three before going into the Flames net. That's tough for Dan Vladar considering how well he played in this hockey game because the Flames wouldn't have been in it without him. But uh, this is a team that lost 4-3 to Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs on Thursday. They lose 3-1 with an empty netter to uh, a red-hot Oilers team tonight. They're right there with the top teams in the league, and they've still won four of their last six, if you want to try to submit it and look at it with the silver lining. So uh, the two hardest games of this homestand are now behind them. Now, they can't just assume that they're going to win the next three games, but the next three games are all winnable. The Blues are a team they're battling with for a playoff spot. That's an important proverbial four-pointer. you got to win that one on Tuesday. And then you've got two teams that are below you in the standings, and the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks, who appear to be going after another first overall pick. So the, the Flames, if they can win the three games they've got between now and their break, then they're going to be feeling great about themselves going into that, uh, what is it, an eight-day break. If not, then they're probably not going to be in a great spot and uh, won't be feeling as good about themselves. So I know they're a one-game-at-a-time team right now, and that's the, the mindset that they have to have. So you try to put these two behind you. You, you try to avoid a letdown. You're coming off of two games where there's been an unbelievable atmosphere inside of this building. Two games you were definitely ramped up for. The Maple Leafs Thursday, the Oilers Saturday. And you've just got to go out there and play a good game against the Blues on Tuesday and and take it from there. But uh, tough loss tonight in the Battle of Alberta. But, uh, hey, heck of a hockey game to, to wrap up Hockey Day in Canada. See you, friends, on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend, hey? Good night, Pat. Pat. You too. Go Bucks. Megan Nicholson and uh, thank you, Wilsey. And Derek Wills uh, wrapping up their portion of our Flames Talk postgame show this evening as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. He just wrapped up inside the Ed Whalen Media Lounge a few minutes ago. Here's the head coach on our Flames Talk postgame. Ryan, a, a couple of the players were fairly critical of their own, I guess, sort of heat level or intensity tonight. How, how would you measure that part of it? Not not for me. I mean, the first period I thought we did a little too much watching. Um, after the first period, I, th- I thought we played hard, you know. How heartbreaking is it to have a, a game decided a little bit by, by a fluky goal? Yeah, that's the part that stings a little bit. That's a tough one, you know. Um, Vladdy made a lot of great saves tonight, and... You know, sometimes when a team is rolling the way they are, you're going to get bounces like that. And, you know, unfortunately that one went against us tonight. But it, that that kind of makes the, the loss a little sting a little bit more for sure. Kind of hurt for Dan on a, in a case like that, don't you? Like he, he makes a ton of saves for you and then yeah. that's the one that kind of decides it. Yeah, and that's, that's the game sometimes though. But you, you can't fault him at all. I thought he was excellent tonight. Really what do you think with the big difference between your, your group between the first and the second periods? Uh, we started to skate, and like I said, we I thought we, we did a little bit too much watching and, and seeing how things were going to go in the first period, and then I thought we started to skate and, and compete harder in the second, third. When, when your team is coming back from games that you've done a lot of this season, like what are you doing in those games that maybe you haven't the past couple of games? I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, it was, they were competitive tonight at the end of the game, so I, 
I don't, I'm not sure. We're right. happy with the way you uh, contained Sidel and McDavid. That's you know that's the other thing when you lose and you keep them off the score sheet, it's a tough one. So I, th I thought uh, Michael Backlund's line did an excellent job tonight. Uh, Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin did an excellent job tonight um, with some of the heavy lifting that they they played against McDavid's line for sure. What do you do when you you've got a team that they, they climb they climb they get three above yeah. 500 then drop two like what do you do to spirits up those kind of things. Um, yeah, you lose the game, you turn the page, you, you get ready for the next game that we do have coming up on Tuesday. That's what it's about. I mean, you're never going to be straight up ever. Um, the key is that you have to flatten out the peaks and valleys. So it's important for us to make sure we have a good rest day tomorrow and then we have a really good practice on Monday and then we're all prepared and ready to go for the next one. We noticed Adam Clapp got there, threw some hits. We, uh, it was physical. What, what did you see from uh, Clapper? Yeah, yeah I, I thought he played well for his first game. Yeah, he made some plays on the wall too. Um, he, he looked good for his first game. What did you think of Coronado? Uh, I, I thought I thought they they struggled a little bit that line tonight. From the, <clears throat> the version of the Oilers you saw back at uh, the outdoor game, yeah. uh, is, is, is that a team that's giving up far less? Is that something you saw again tonight? Oh, yeah, for sure they are. I mean, it, it, I think if you look over the last 10 games, I think they haven't given up more than two, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they are. A lot of it is the that they have the puck a fair bit. Um, but like I said, this uh, was a one where I felt like we could have um, a bounce here or there. It could have went our way too tonight. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We are well underway on our Flames Talk post game show and uh, we got the phone lines open at 403-240-4444. We've got the text line open at 96960. Your calls and texts are coming up next. Uh, you can still keep getting your phone calls and texts in. Uh, we'll go back inside the Flames locker room, get some more post game thoughts and a whole lot more so the flames uh drop round two of this four round battle of alberta oilers have taken the first two two more to go including round three on february 24th our uh, flames talk post game show is available on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts and live right here this is calgary flames hockey on sportsnet 960 the fan the Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight, 3-1. Flames fall to the Edmonton Oilers in a round two of this year's Battle of Alberta. Hey, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444, and the text line's open at 960-960. Give us a call, fire us a text. We'd love to hear from you on this Saturday night. We'll get to your uh, calls and texts here very shortly. Uh, and our Flames Talk postgame show, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Only goal for the Flames tonight scored by Mackenzie Wieger. His thoughts inside the locker room room post game tonight. So what's the difference tonight McKenzie? There was a lot. Um, just thought we got out competed, you know, awareness was limited. There wasn't much urgency in that first period. Body stood on his head. <clears throat> you know, Battle of Alberta there wasn't much of a battle tonight from us. How how do you explain that tonight? You know, I thought, you know, it's a big game, Battle of Alberta. I thought we were gonna, you know, come out a little harder than that. And maybe throw some hits, mix it up a bit. Um, you know, including myself, this is, you know, I'm speaking for myself and the whole team here, but, you know, I just, I thought there would have been 
a little bit more pride there from us. Um, you know, that's a big game, you know. They're coming into, you know, our territory, our city. You know, I thought, you know, we would have a little bit more juice there. There were some good things, of course. You know, I thought we had a bit of a pushback there, but, um, you know, for the most part, just felt like they were winning the battles, you know. Just that's kind of how I saw it. Is what? that understanding, you know, the excitement that surrounded this yeah. game and, and the rivalry, like, is it concerning to be lacking that juice tonight? No, you know, it's, you know, I've never doubted this group. Um, you know, we faced a lot of adversity. We've talked about it before. Um, you know, we got to learn from it. We play them again next month. Um, you know, I expect a you know a better response um, next month. But you know, right now, you know that shit's sting a bit. Uh, you know, I need a sense of pride. You know, the guys that have been here a long time, like Bax, I'm sure. Um, you know, has a little bit more hatred for those battles, and we got to find that same that you know that little fire in the belly there. You feel for a guy like Vladdy who had a pretty good game and then loses on that that shot. Yeah, uh, oh, that's tough. You know, there's bounces. You know. Yeah, I'm, I won't speak on our ice, but um, it, it's tough. You know, that's one we got to pull for Vladdy. Um, you know, he played an outstanding game. He made some huge saves for us, and you know, that kind of sucks. You know, for a team we couldn't bail him out. That's that's when we got to bail him out, and win that game. Did, uh, did the second period feel different for you guys? It seemed like you, you tidied things up. Yeah, and push. Yeah, we, you know, second period was a good period for us. Thought we put them on their heels a bit. Uh, you know, we were forechecking hard, getting pucks back. You know, getting generating some offense, some chances, moving the puck quick. Um, you know, in the first period or in the third period, uh, we were just we kind of chasing it a little bit there. But um, you know, I just wanted a little bit more from from everybody tonight. What feel a little bit like a shoots and ladders game, like you get going and then couple losses. Like yeah, we got to find that momentum, that consistency from you know the whole lineup. You know, if you know maybe. One, one line doesn't have a good shift, you know, the other line jumps out and, you know, gets that momentum back. But, you know, there's ups and flows through that whole game. It's the NHL, there's momentum swings, um, you know, all the time. But, um, yeah. I meant on your season, like you oh. get three above and then yeah. two. And like, been, I know you yeah, guys sure. know you've got to get yeah. further. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, we've dropped two. Um, that, that's tough, you know, especially with this wild card race. There's a lot of teams right now. Um, but we, you know, we've done a good job moving, moving forward. Uh, we, now we look at, you know, another team coming in here. We need, we need the two points and getting back, uh, you know, in the win call. I know it's one game at a time, but I mean, there's three games before the break. Do you feel like you guys need to win all three of them? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's no time for us to, you know, keep losing. We, we got to get as many wins as we can from here to the end of the season. It's going to be a tight race. What's a, is it like? It seems like the, the effort level for the script at times you come up flat, you have a great start. Like, what's the reason for that inconsistency in in the starts and, and coming out? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to look back on other games or, or whatnot, but maybe tonight, you know, I would just say maybe we gave him a little too much respect in the first period. Um, you know, that's the only way I could really describe that first period, but. Um, you know the inconsistency here and there. There's good players on other teams. We got to get the momentum back. It's it's little things like that. But um, you know, I, I, like I said, I've never doubted this group. It's a great group in here. Um, you know, and we'll bounce back. 
That is Mackenzie Weger post-game. Some strong stuff from number 52. He scored the only goal of tonight's game. Look, I, I, I thought the Flames got better as the game went along. They, they definitely had a much better second than their first, and I thought their third was their best. And and I know they don't score in the third, and the Oilers get the 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 lucky bounce to score their goal. Now let's let's look. You gotta be you gotta work for your bounces, and the Oilers worked for their bounce. They deserve this win full on. They're full marks for the victory, but. I, I do give the Flames credit for how they made this thing a whole lot more competitive. Dan Vladar made it competitive in the first and was still very good in the final 40, but the Flames did a nice job of making this a more competitive game uh, on the ice as the final 40 minutes went along, which, you know, that's why you have a goalie. Sometimes you need a goalie to keep you in it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you come away from this game saying that, that Oilers team has definitely turned a large corner and you know the, the flames against some good teams here have hung tough but haven't been able to come away with the ultimate two points or get it to extra time um let's uh before we get to the text line let's get to tonight's save of the game by the way uh just tip of the hat to dan vladar who was so good in that first period it's almost a shame that the mcleod goal went in because he was so good in that first period but uh the save of the game brought to you by shane holmes and of course the first period is where we get tonight's save of the game locked up to me on the owner's net skitter sets it up for kulak who fires it up the fireboards and out and stepping up and picking it up. And now walking into his hallway, he centers. Brown, robbed by Vladar! What a save by the Flames goaltender! Maybe his best of the season! That's one of the 30 stops made by Dan Vladar tonight. 29 stops, rather, made by Dan Vladar tonight. And that is his save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Let's uh, dive in on the text line at 960-960. Uh, starting with Jerry in Vancouver Island on this Saturday night. This says, uh, I don't fault the team team for its effort but they are so mediocre that I don't think they can even retool on the fly like the Canucks did they had uh, they at least had multiple superstars already there something definitely needs to be done about the mediocrity uh, very embarrassing to lose on a fluke like that that's from Jerry in Vancouver Island this says Flames may want to burn these jerseys they have no luck with these ones yes they are 0-2 in these Heritage Classic jerseys but I still think that they are really really pretty like those are those are still pretty sharp I like them Matty Rose does not like him he's giving me a weird face I um I I, I kind of like those I, I think it looks good um this reads from Claude, definitely had this game circled on the calendar and to lose on such a junk goal by Gagne is a gut punch. Felt like the Oilers were getting behind their defense in the first, but I like the adjustments in the second. Not sure what to make of Klapka and pains me to wonder if the Oilers will ever lose. Uh, this reads, can we talk about the Flames being competitively, or sorry, can the talk about the Flames being competitive finally come to an end? Murray Edwards and company not wanting to rebuild or even say the word is dumb as heck, especially when you consider taxpayers are going to front a large amount of him uh, for him to build a new home just to watch this mediocre product for 
years to come. Tear it to the studs and do this right. Uh, this from Leandro, who says, that one hurts. Yikes. Dan gave his best go, but just short. Without bounce on the second goal, I think the hockey gods just had it for the oil this time. On a slightly positive note, considering the disparity in top-end talent, they have their chances. Huberto looked good as well, and with that suit of yours, <laughs> seems you did too. Have a good night, Patty. I think the boys will bounce back after this one. Yeah, I was wearing the power tie. It's a Saturday night, Battle of Alberta. Gotta wear the red polka dot tie. It, uh, it was uh, it's an important game. You only pull this tie out for big games. Tonight was a big game. Uh, this from Adrian in Lethbridge. Great game. Flames played hard. I like the fourth line a bit more tonight compared to recent games. I feel like Klapka earned at least another game. The Oilers deserve a lot of credit, though, and as much as it pains me to say, they look like they could be the real deal. This reads, Flames had no business winning tonight's game. Should have been 5-1 first period that's a, a fair statement final 40 it was a whole lot more even in in my opinion uh this says well they lose another battle of alberta this time on a fluke goal they haven't beat that team for a while now i made a point of watching huberto tonight didn't win a puck battle and gave the puck up constantly this player is still struggling mightily don't let his recent few newfound points fuel fool you he's still not contributing to this team the balance of their guys played their hearts out tonight especially vladar they deserve better too bad number 10 is still stuck on an island somewhere. He's absolutely ineffective. They need him going. After all, he's their highest paid player. Did I think Huberto was great tonight? No, um, but he's been much, much better. So, you know, if you're taking just this as a sample size and using that to skew the entire last 10, 11 games, I think you're false. I did think that that line struggled tonight. I thought that was Sharon Govich's most ineffective game in probably two months. Um, he did not look very strong at all tonight. Huberto struggled. I thought Lindholm was pretty inconspicu- inconspicuous. That line uh, had their hand full, hands full uh, because they, they take on a lot of tough matchups. Don't, don't get me wrong. Wrong, but uh, yeah, I, I did not think that was a great night. A great night at all uh, for the Lindholm line, and I definitely thought that. Uh Huberto was a part of that. Lindholm's line was matched up pretty consistently against the Dreisaitl line, and Backlund was pretty hard matched against the McDavid line. The, the line that drove the game for the Flames tonight was the Backlund line. They were very, very strong tonight. A few more texts before we get to the phone lines at 960-960. This says uh, Klapka and Coronado both looked underwater the entire game. The pace was something neither of them were prepared for. This is exactly what it's, I was afraid of sending Coronado to the NHL. He settled into AHL pacing and doesn't look like half the player he was before being sent down. Only shining light tonight was Vladar, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I think that you give a guy like Coronado and a guy like Klapka um, a benefit, the benefit of the doubt. Um, and after the, in their first game, you know, I, I think you could always say, well, they should have been shot out of a cannon or this and that. I, I thought Klapka had some good moments. I thought Coronado had some good moments, honestly, in this game. Coronado, I think, finished with three shots. Did I think he was great? No, but I thought he was. Uh, I thought it was fine, and and I thought that overall it was a uh, it was a pedestrian return to the lineup for Coronado. But again, I thought that line as a whole was pretty pedestrian tonight, and I will say. They definitely missed. They definitely missed Martin Pospisil in this game. There's no doubt about it in my mind that number 76 was sorely missed. Uh, the backland line, the only line of the Flames 
that finished uh, above water in the or or um, and and were not underwater rather in the five on five possession battle. Backlund, Coleman, Manchapani, I thought all had really strong games. Um, this says, missed the last couple of weeks of post-game shows, Pat. Had a first aid course with lots of homework and studying to do. But I got to say, that was a good defensive show. And Vladar is finally starting to climb out of the expected saves basement. And it shows he's looking good. Disappointed Wolf isn't even going to get one game while he's up, though. I get why, and I'm not all about rushing him into a full-time role. But he's up for a week or whatever. He should have played one. Have a good Saturday. That's from Dylan in Revelstoke. You know, I don't mind them allowing... Um, Vladar to kind of control his own destiny. Vladar played well against Arizona, earned the start against Toronto. Uh, played well against Toronto, earned the start against Edmonton, and he was dynamite tonight against the Oilers. Uh, this reads, Pat, I listened to the game and honestly sounded like the Flames squandered a brilliant game by Vladar. I think they need to cash their chips in on some players like Lindholm and Tanev. In my opinion, the only player of all the UFAs they should keep is Hannafin because he's a solid puck-moving D-man and should be one of the corner pieces they build around. And finally, from Stafford at the Dome, says, Pat, the energy in the arena was excellent tonight. Once again, they chose not to play for a full game, not waking up until the second, and only down by one goal because of Ladar. Second goal was much, uh, second period, rather, was much better, and the third on a lucky bounce or two sealed the deal for the Oilers. Thought Zeri struggled tonight, but Tanev was a stud on the blue line. It's very clear they simply don't have the horses to win the race, despite their valiant effort tonight. The good news, despite the loss, I guess, is the way Vladar's trending. It'll only increase his trade value. Question, status of Pelche and Shillington since they're now back on the roster. Um, Pelche is not back on the roster. Uh, Pelche remains in the American League with the uh, with the Wranglers. He's yet to even get into a game with the Wranglers so far. Um, so uh, Pelche remains not on the roster. However, he will be on the roster at some point. I, I, I still feel like post-All-Star break is maybe a little bit more realistic for when you see Pelche back in. He's yet to play in the American League. Uh, the Wranglers, and now I don't know if he actually, I, I was not paying attention tonight, so I may have missed if he played tonight uh, for the Wranglers as uh, they were in action again tonight. But Point is, uh, still a little bit of uh, still a little bit of time until we see Pelche back uh, on an NHL roster. But that doesn't mean that uh, he's not close because he is closer and as close as he has been to returning. Uh, just quickly going to check. I, I, I didn't check the rosters before. Uh, Jacob Pelche, not nor Kevin Rooney, neither of those guys played tonight for the Wranglers in a 7-3 loss to Bakersfield. Uh, so. Yeah, you, they still haven't played American League games, and so Pelche Rooney still a, a little ways away. As for Shillington, uh, close. And I think we're now in the pocket for when we're going to see him return to practice for the Flames. So here's the deal on Shillington, uh, and, and we can get into this more if, if some calls get into it too, but uh, Shillington's LTI stint, uh, LTI conditioning stint, or LTI conditioning loan is now done. So what happened was he went down on an LTI conditioning loan, which could last 
six days or three games for the AHL team, whatever's longest. Uh, on the third game for the AHL team, uh, Shillington made his debut, did not play the next game, but uh, the Flames did apply for an extension and got the extension on his LTI conditioning loan that ended on Friday night with uh, a Wranglers loss in Coachella Valley. Uh, that ended his LTI conditioning stint because they got an extension on that conditioning stint uh, they are not allowed to then, and, and this is, there's a lot of moving parts on this one. It's kind of unprecedented what is going on with Oliver and what he's coming back from and how long he's been out for. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things in precedent setting or things that haven't necessarily been done before that was taken into account, but essentially it was determined that the Flames could not send Oliver on a second conditioning loan. Uh, so his conditioning loan ended as that LT conditioning loan. Remember we talked about how the Flames would have liked to see if they could get him on that traditional 14-day conditioning loan? Well, the, the after consultation with the league, the league decided, uh, and the league is very strict on their LTI rules and, and all that type of stuff, they decided that no, they were not going to give a second conditioning loan because they've never allowed that before uh, when allowing the extension to the LTI conditioning loan. I know this is very minutiae. So now Oliver is back with the Flames. He's done on his conditioning loan. He remains on long-term injury reserve, and now we wait for him to return to practice. I think there's a chance he practices uh, Monday. I mean, just the way things have gone, he played on Friday night. So I think you can say there's a decent chance he practices with the Flames on Monday, which is their next scheduled practice. That would be the earliest that he can return to a Flames practice because they don't practice on Sunday. Um, and, yeah, I think you can feel pretty good about the way things are trending for Oliver. He's going to remain on LTI for the time being. And uh, I don't believe they, and again, a lot of moving parts. I don't believe they'll have to activate him off of LTI for a little while. And he will be able to practice with the team even while remaining on LTI. So it, it, it's maybe going to delay when they have to make that decision a little bit, or, or not even make that decision, but when they have to bring him off long-term injury reserve. Done a lot of uh, done a lot of research on this over the last uh, couple of weeks, even over the last 24 hours. Been checking in with some league sources and, and some people uh, affiliated with the league and, and trying to get as much as I could and, and, and understand from the Flames' perspective. So that's where things lie with Shillington, and uh, we see if he practices on Monday but that is the next step and that's kind of like the immediate next step we're right in the pocket for it happening is Oliver Shillington returning to regular regular practice with the Calgary Flames thank you Stafford appreciate that and I apologize for the uh, long explanation I knew I was going to get asked about Oliver and uh, so I wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row so I think I got everything right there when it comes to what the next steps are for Oliver Shillington and feel free to uh, ask any clarify questions on the text line or on the phone lines if, if you need them. Uh, okay, great stuff on the text line so far, 960-960. Now let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Uh, first up on the phone lines tonight is Derek. What's up, Derek? Oh, I'm the first one. Look at me go, Pat. Look at you go. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, game, we kept it close all game. And then, you know, the bad bounce 
whatever you want to call it, um, kind of kind of did us in. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Now, it, it, it's uh, that that is true that the bad bounce um, did it did him in. Now the Oilers worked for their bounce for sure, and yeah. and the Oilers definitely you know looked good and and deserved the win. But it is too bad that that's the way that the the game ends, and Correct. that's the goal that ends up being the winner. I, I get that for sure, yeah. and and it's too bad that. And not like it was Dan's fault either, but no, he, um, he, he played it was game. it was just and and that even that goal wasn't a bad goal; it was just a fluky bounce. Um, yeah. But it's just too bad that ends up being the winner. I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, overall, it was great to see Klapka and Coronado get in. Not uh, the best way to see that Dubé went out with an illness to get them in, but um, going forward. If you were to try and keep them both in, would you uh, see it as a realistic thing to keep Dubé in if he came back from the illness and scratch Rizitska and keep Dubé as a fourth-line center? Um, could be, and that that absolutely is something that they could think about doing if they, if they wanted to. Uh, Dylan has played some uh, center... At, at times this season, we'll see if if Dylan is is feeling better for Monday's game or not. Yeah. Um. But uh, that that could be a way that they end up going about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, overall, if you have, I mean, realistically, everyone is complaining about Dubé, complaining about Rizitska. Uh, Dubé can play all positions, he but can. he also can play penalty kill if he needs him to, which. I could be wrong, but I don't think Rizitska ever does. So no, he's not. He's not one of their normal penalty killers for sure. So I mean, if you if you could have Dubé on the fourth line center, at least you have him as an option to play penalty kill as well, and you can keep the the two kind of rookies or or call ups in the game as well to see what they can produce for you. Yeah, and I'm curious to see the the way this goes, and and we'll see how things continue to go with with Klapka, and and you know I thought it was a it was a, a fun fun thing to see him take a solo lap. It's always awesome to see that, and now you know we'll see if he stays in for Monday's game or Tuesday's game against St. Louis or not. I thought Klapka had some moments. I thought as a line, the fourth line struggled uh, in this game, but I thought Klapka had some moments where he threw his body around. He didn't play a ton as as you'd expect as. Um, he ended up with 6.06 of ice time tonight. But I thought I thought that he had some moments, and I'd like to see him again for sure. Yeah, I mean. And I do think, line, I do think if, it's, uh, if, if it's a guy like, if it's Dubé, who's the center there, or if it's um, somebody else. Um, you know, I know that the organization is liking the way that things are trending with uh with Cole Schwint in the American League. I know that uh, they've really liked the way that Clark Bishop has played for them in the American League the last few years. So maybe they're, and and Kevin Rooney too, uh, who is close to returning or closer to returning. So there is, um, there's definitely some new options for what they could do down the middle. And I'd be curious to see if they do look at those options down the middle here going forward. Yeah, you guys have mentioned different different centers over the last you know few days, few weeks for for flame stock, but whether or not they're gonna do that. But if you're gonna keep it kinda quote unquote status quo, um, I'd rather have Dubé in rather than Rizitska. At least you have 
more options or more flexibility for what Dubé can do for different pieces of the lines. Yep. No, I, I feel I feel you where you're coming from. And then uh, you guys have talked about it for different pieces of the flame stock, and uh, Kale talked about it a bit, but just overall for um, Coronado and for uh, Klopka, what did you think of their overall game today and, and what they brought? Yeah, as I said on Klapka, I, I thought that he had a couple of moments. Uh, the line struggled. Um, I thought there were definitely some times where it was like, well, welcome to the NHL. You know, the, the, the speed that uh, is, is especially on that Oilers team, they, they can be a fast team. So I think there were a couple of moments where that might have caught him off guard. But I thought generally what you're asking for him in his first game against that team uh, I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay from Klopka. I thought it was, again, if he can have some moments and, and throw his body around a little bit, I thought it was a good start, all things considered. Uh, for Coronado, I, I thought it was, you know, pedestrian. Um, I didn't think that he popped, but I didn't think that line popped. Um, and, and I thought Coronado battled hard. I'll, I'll give him that. I thought he battled hard. Um, he made a couple of things, made a couple of shots happen because of hard work. Uh, I definitely think that, that, I thought Kadri actually had himself a really solid game in the work ethic department, um, but uh, I, I thought they missed Pospisil a lot tonight. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I know you mentioned it a bit. Obviously, uh, Shillington played last night against uh, the Wranglers for uh, Coachella, but mm-hmm. like overall, how did he, like how did he play like for um, minutes for ice time? For just general play, how how did he look? I didn't I I didn't see him play, so okay. I can't give you a scouting report on how he looked. Now I can defer to our guy Ryan Pike um, because uh, Pike did watch that game on AHL TV um, and and gave good reviews. Looked solid, is what he said. A um, okay. couple of people said that still the the timing is coming back for Oliver, um, yep. and that's why um, that's that's why you're talking about he's going to need some NHL practices now. And so let's. Yeah. Assume he returns to practice on Monday, or maybe he returns on Wednesday, whenever. Um, but let's assume that he gets into practice. He's going to need some practice time and and get himself back up to speed NHL practice wise, and, and get some full speed practices in. So I, I still think that it's a, a little ways away from him playing NHL games, and the Flames remain adamant they're not going to be rushing him um, into NHL games. But he continues to make progress, and yeah, all things considered, for his first two games in like twenty months, the reports have been good on on Shillington. Good. And then uh, you you mentioned a bit about whether or not for, you know, they've applied for extension for the AHL and whatnot, but um, you mentioned a bit for the logistics wise. Mm -hmm. So is it kind of to the point where if they wanted to keep him progressing wise, they would just activate him to the NHL roster, but maybe not, um, to the to the playing style like he would just practice for the team but be on the nhl roster i think or can he, they actually can they I, actually I, put him on the nhl team still 
Well, I, I, I think he's going to stay on LTIR for a little bit and be allowed okay. to practice with the team for a little bit uh, while still on LTIR. Now, technically, you are on a roster uh, on LTIR. Yeah, roster I, I, like you're 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 not on the roster. Like you don't count it, but you're kind of you're still affiliated as as being connected to the NHL team. So I, yeah, I think he'll retain cap and all that. Yeah, yeah, he will. He'll they'll they'll still get the cap credit, but they don't really need the cap credit. Um, They'll be able, like they're they're going to be able to activate them whenever they, whenever Oliver and the team decides that it's time to activate them. They won't have any trouble doing that. Yeah. Okay. For yeah. Well, because as soon as they put Zadorov out, like created quite a that bit gave of cap, them space. The cap space. Yeah. You guys have talked yeah. about it a few times over the Flames talk lately yeah. that basically as soon as they're ready to bring Shillington back, they would have the cap space to bring exactly. Bring him back. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Derek. Um, I got to move on, man. Oh, sorry. Okay. Just get quickly. Right, more, if, yeah, one, quickly. One, one more. more quick thing. Yeah. Okay. So just for a general, like for me and for general fans. So for like NFL, if you put someone on, on injury reserve, you have to sit out four games. How does it work for the NHL? So they did it with Gilbert a bit. So you got to sit out, you got to sit out seven days. Um, okay. So it's, it's seven days is what you're, and there might be a games number in there, but it's seven days. And then LTIR oh. is longer. Uh, I don't have it yeah, right in front of, of me, but yeah. it's se- seven days essentially is what you got to sit out for regular injured reserves. So Pospisil yeah. is, um, Pospisil's earliest return would be Thursday versus Columbus, but, probably not going to be then might be a little okay. bit longer i got i gotta move on Derek. i appreciate the no, call of yeah thank you good to hear from you man thank we'll you, man. talk soon yeah right okay man 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a flames 3-1 loss to the oilers here in the battle of alberta it's your flames talk post game show as george is up next what's up george not much patty how are you doing tonight my friend uh i'm okay man how are you I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I can't stand losing to that team. I'm very sour that we lost to the Oilers. But I am glad that we did. they didn't blow us out at least, which would have definitely happened had it not been for the goaltending heroics of Dan Vladar. I mean, it could have easily been 4-5-0 to five nothing in the first had it not been for his uh, goaltending. So kudos to him. And honestly, this stretch that Markstrom went down, I really like Vladar. He's, uh, it's been a roller coaster of a season for this guy. Like, it's, there have been times when he's looked like barely an NHL goaltender, and then this last run he's had here, he's looked like a one B. You know, like so. It's yeah, it's funny sure. how that works sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, well, if people are talking about if people are talking about trading him or like trade value. He's uh, he's done nothing but raise that at least. If you want to, you know, go that way. But no, for real, he's been. I want to give the guy credit because you know, criticize him when he was bad and he was letting in some bad goals earlier. And this this run he's been on since Markstrom went down again, he's been awesome. So, you know, a lot of credit to him. Uh, yeah, I give him a lot of pre- I, I give him a lot of credit for how he's kind of gotten things back on track. It's uh, too bad that the numbers haven't necessarily taken a a, a big step forward, um, but. I, I think if you've been watching Flames games and scouting him, and by the way, they'll, they'll jump up a little bit after tonight. It'll go from 884 to 888. But, you know, you want to see that back over the 900 mark, if if possible. Um, but I, I do think that you've seen some uh, improvement in the overall game from Vladar, for, from Vladar for sure. Oh, for sure. And the high-danger chances Edmonton had, especially in the first period, I mean, that's 
throw the numbers out the window. Like that could have been a nasty first period. It had had Vladar not been dialed, that could have been a nasty, nasty first period. Absolutely. I find that the Flames have a ton of trouble against teams with speed and a lot of elite talent. Like, I, and I think the two most recent examples show that with the Toronto Maple Leafs and last game and then Edmonton tonight. But so no matter what changes are made to this team going forward, no matter what they are, how they do it, et cetera, I really like management in the future to focus on bringing more skill and speed to this team, especially speed. I think speed is more important in the NHL than it's ever been because of the way the game is played now, the rules, et cetera. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I do, I do think that uh, if you were to take a look at this group, they they would not be the most fleet of foot team in the NHL, and that's probably fair. Um, but yeah, and I, I do think, I do think that's something that they could uh, absolutely prioritize or or make something that they look at going forward. And I mean, you take a look at Sharon Govich; he's brought a little bit, especially when he's going. I know Sharon Govich struggled tonight, uh, but generally has been really good and brings brings some nice pace to the table, right? Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, so in all Oliver Shillington's case here, um, did the league not allow the 14-day conditioning stint because it wasn't a physical injury that he suffered? For example, like in, no, like a I think as, as I understand, as as I understand it, um, it's more because they had never allowed. So, so again, there's a difference between the LTI conditioning loan and the conditioning loan. Uh, like the regular one, like you know, sometimes you see a guy in the middle of a season go down to the American League uh, to to go on a conditioning loan for five or six games or whatever. That's the regular loan. This is the LTI loan, and um, so so as I understand it, because the Flames got the extension on it, the league has never allowed an extension and then allowed a player to go on the regular conditioning loan. So they were just being consistent with their prior rulings is kind of how I understand it. So had they not extended it then, could he have then gone on a regular conditioning that, loan? That I don't know. That I don't know. I see. Because if, 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 if that were the case, I wonder if the Flames wouldn't have just done it that way had they been able to do that. So that's why I don't know. I, I, I don't know because they they also do want to like there's there's a lot of steps here in the process and they did Craig Conroy and and Oliver Shillington and the you know team's medical staff and and Oliver's people kind of all sat down and worked out this return to play plan and and while it's not fully linear um, there there were some different things and some different steps and part of it is getting back and being around like his his teammates and not to say that he didn't like being around the Wranglers, but Rasmus Anderson and Michael Backlund and, and um, uh, Chris Tanev and like these guys, these are his teammates. And so getting back around those guys and being back practicing with those guys and being around them in that practice everyday environment is a big part of the next steps too, right? So I, I think that... Yeah, they, and that makes total sense. So, so there's... Would would they maybe have liked to, to get them more games? Yeah, probably. I, I think that they, they they're probably perfect world they they would have liked one or two more games if they could have but they're just going to continue doing this and and the whole thing is non-linear it's non-linear for Oliver in terms of how he's coming back and it's non-linear because it's a pretty unprecedented situation for the NHL there haven't been a lot of situations quite like this before right 
Yeah, very true. It's it's very unique for sure. It's very lot, 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 it's kind of like a moving target, right? Like there's not there's not any like it's not like okay, this 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 and this will be how it goes. It's kind of like these are the next steps and what we think they are and then, you know, the goalposts move a little bit because it is a a new situation. Yeah, and you got to play it based on circumstances too from both parties, especially Oliver because he's the one that calls the shots here because of the circumstances. So it's it's exactly how you said. It's it's kind of like it's unpredictable, but you know you hope it goes to the plan that they have formulated for themselves and for Oliver. So you just gotta. It's like you said, you gotta let it play out the best that it can. Exactly. Yeah. Final question for you tonight, my friend. I'll let you go. But uh, what did you think of Adam Klapka tonight? What did you think of Matt Coronado? Uh, I thought Klapka had some moments. But I thought that line struggled. I'd like to see Klapka again. I didn't mind how he threw his body around a little bit. Um, and I thought Coronado worked hard, um, but didn't really pop. Yeah, I'm there with you 100% on both. Um, Coronado, efforts never been an issue with him. But the more I see him get NHL games, and it's not a criticism at all. It's just an observation. The more I think he's not quite ready for the full NHL grind yet. I think him being with the Wranglers at the end of the day was the right move to make. And I, I, I think he needs to play more down there, maybe even finish the year off there. I understand he's up and he should stay up right now because of circumstances and, I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say at least in my opinion I'm, I'm gonna say jury's out on that you know so this was game one he hasn't played in the NHL since kind of the the one game parachute in December but really hasn't played regularly in the NHL since October uh, I guess he played one game in November so I, I'd like to see a few more games before I I make that definitive statement yeah that's fair I just I mean tonight maybe it was me he just looked most of the time he looked in and over his head, but they were playing the Edmonton Oilers and he, you know, he was, he was on the ice with some elite players at times. So I, I get that too, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, my friend, that's all I got for tonight. I hope you have a good evening and uh, we'll talk very soon, but okay. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 as the flames fall three, one to the Edmonton Oilers. Got a couple of lines open. If you want to chat on this Saturday night, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Text line 960 Let's go back to the phone lines and say hello to our buddy. Anand. what's going on? Anand? Good evening, buddy. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, good. I was at the dome tonight. Yeah, tougher game, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I think all of the points that I wanted to say were mentioned. Uh, yeah, Klopka stood out a bit, definitely. He uh, looked tall, so he was easily noticeable on the ice. And he had a few good moments, too. Yeah, Coronato, maybe he should have gotten some time to adjust. Definitely, yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt uh, for uh the first game back into the NHL, so good try for him. Yeah, uh, rest of the lines didn't work that all well either. Um, yeah, it was kind of a difficult game, which I was kind of expecting, but I also had a good vibe uh, going in, making sure the Flames can snap the Oilers friendship, but that didn't happen. Uh, luckily, we have a couple more tries left. Maybe we can do it in the future. Uh, my one Question for you uh, would be, what did you think of Rashidska game tonight? I didn't see much of him either. Uh, what did you think of his game? 
Uh, I thought I, I thought he had a rough game. I, I didn't I didn't love it from uh, Adam tonight, and I thought that that line as a whole kind of struggled. So it, it wasn't it wasn't the uh, the greatest night from Rizicka from from my vantage point. All right, and one more question, maybe. What do you think a uh, few changes can be made? Uh, because I know one of the lines that we are struggling right now is the fourth line. Do you have any remedies you think we can make it fix or something that can be changed? I think getting Jacob Pelche back will be a, a real nice step. Um, and that's that's still not like... In, it's not like imminent, but it's getting closer. So I think Pelche yeah. will be a real nice return to the lineup for the Flames. And then as as some of those some of those other center icemen that they have in the American League, I am interested in whether it's uh, whether we're talking about Bishop, whether we're talking about Rooney, whether we're talking about Schwint. I'm I'm interested in one of those guys down the road as well. We'll see because you know yeah. there's still roster limits and the salary cap and all that type of stuff. But you know that that fourth line, I think. Getting Klapka up and in is a nice step and a, and a good beginning step, and I'd like to see them continue to tweak and play with the number four line here. Oh yeah, and one other question. So when you said about Klapka right now, do you think uh, would it have changed maybe if he got in early? So two nights ago, if he got in against Maple Leafs and get those NHL uh, learning in or uh, game style play and then probably put Klapka again tonight, do you think he would have looked a little bit more decent tonight? Don't know. Um, no. I, I'm not. And, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm not sure. Possibly, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays if he gets in on Tuesday. And I, I, I think that um, I'd, I'd like to see him play again on Tuesday if it's possible. Yeah, I bet you. All right, sounds good. Yeah, overall, the... Energy at the Dome was uh, fantastic also. This was my first uh, Battle of Alberta. It's fun, hey? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was so loud. I think it was your last one that we were dominating, but yeah, it was fun overall. Uh, yeah, uh, great game. Tough one. We'll try to regroup again on Tuesday. Yeah, talk to you on Tuesday, Pat. Have a good night, and yeah, stay safe. Uh, thank you, Anna, and good to hear from you, pal. And we will uh, continue taking your phone calls as this Saturday and now as we're talking uh, Sunday morning, if you're live with us, this uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning edition of your Flames post-game show, Flames Talk post-game show continues on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pat Steinberg along with you. Phone lines are open. Got a few lines open. If you want to chat right now, give us a call, 403-240-4444. If you call now, you won't get a busy signal, I can tell you that much. Uh, nine six. 6960 on the text line is where you can get a hold of us there. We'll get to the text line uh, and get back in there in just a couple of minutes, too. Right now, though, back inside the Flames locker room. Let's hear from Blake Coleman. His thoughts following tonight's 3-1 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Predominant feeling is maybe your, your team and your goalie deserved a little better than to lose on that goal. Well, it's a tough bounce, but Vladdy uh, played a hell of a game, and uh, we didn't do enough in front of him to to uh, reward him for his performance. Is there anything to be taken from the fact that obviously the first period was not very good and there was improvement in the second and third? No, it's not really in the business of moral victories at this point in the season, I think. You know, it wasn't a good first. Um, you know, we did have a good response, evened it up, and then um, 
just didn't generate, didn't make life hard enough on uh, on their goal, in my opinion. Is there anything else you guys can do to generate more offense when you're down a goal, needing that, that tying goal? No, I mean, we've done it all year. We just didn't have that, uh, that next level tonight. Um, I don't have much of an answer for it. Uh, yeah, it's it's two in a row, and it's you know a team that you know, we uh, we need to start beating. It's just getting old. Has, has that happened? then? these teams that have these stars, how do you guys begin to start beating them? Just play our game. You know, we just we weren't as uh, crisp offensively with the puck. We were giving pucks away. We weren't hard enough in the ozone, hard enough in one-on-one -on -one battles. No secret recipe. We just didn't have that swagger. So it is frustrating losing Edmonton. Where do you guys have been the last? It's frustrating losing in general. Yeah, I mean, doesn't matter the opponent. It's uh, you know we keep giving ourselves these great opportunities to to make a push and go on these runs, and then we take two steps back, and it's you know it's getting it's getting down to it where we can't have these setbacks. Do you have to win the three before the Oscar game? Like, is it three for three? Is basically. That's the goal. You know, it's one at a time. We need to win the next game. We need to get off this uh, little skid we're on. And, um, yeah, so our focus goes to the next game and win that, and then we'll go from there. That is Blake Coleman post game following tonight's 3-1 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Let's select tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Tonight's Player with Heart, we're going to go with uh, Mackenzie Weger. He was... Megan Mickelson's runner-up for the hardest-working flame, and uh, I think a really good uh, way to go for the player with heart tonight. Mackenzie Weger uh, led the team with eight shot attempts tonight. He led the team with six shots on net tonight. He had uh, three scoring chances and two high-danger scoring chances. Really solid night from Mackenzie Weger in his 25 minutes and 37 seconds of ice time. Good night for Mackenzie Weger, and he is tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca and a Flames 3-1 loss to Edmonton. Our Flames Talk postgame show continues on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Tonight's game has been brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. Dan Vladar's third consecutive start looked good and a especially in that first period where he shut the door so many times on whether it was Warren Fogle or Connor McDavid or Connor Brown. Yeah, they just I, I know Ryan McLeod beat him uh, in the late stages of the first period, but Dan Vladar was the story of the opening 20. Really solid start for number 80 tonight. Here's Dan Vladar briefly inside the Flames locker room tonight. What did you see or what happened on, on the winning goal? Just a bad bounce. I mean, it's frustrating for me, you know, like uh, lately everything um, game, I'm just getting bad bounces. And, you know, sometimes we uh, get to get the win and today you just, you know, deciding also obviously frustrating for me. I'm, I'm assuming otherwise you felt pretty good in there. You look in, in command. Yeah, but um, it's 2-1 game. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's 8-1 or 2-1 or one nothing. It's still a loss for us. And, uh, you know, I think we deserve at least one point. Do you are those unlucky bounces like are they even harder to digest when you feel like I'm letting your ass off? It's, it's just part of the game, I guess, right? Like I just gotta trust my process and do everything I can to uh, 
not not letting those those in and you know just i don't know pray for there you go that is dan vladar post game inside the flames locker room short and sweet from number 80 tonight he started his third consecutive game sounds like a pretty decent chance that that jacob markstrom is ready to go on tuesday we'll see no guarantee on that front but he took a full morning skate with the flames today didn't back up in the game dustin wolf was dan vladar's backup but uh sure does feel like sound like jacob markstrom is knocking on the door to a return so uh kind of the expectation is he plays tuesday or is ready to go tuesday but again these things uh, are not linear so we'll see if he's ready to go for the blues in a big game between these two tuesday night here at the dome uh let's look ahead looking ahead now brought to you by oncolytics biotech fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system to learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Flames is Thursday night when they, uh, Tuesday night rather, when they welcome the St. Louis Blues. That's a 7 o'clock face-off. It'll be on Sportsnet 1 on television and of course live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Our pregame coverage will get going that night at 6 o'clock. Second of three meetings between the Flames and Blues this season. St. Louis winning the first one 3-0 way back on October 26th. Overall, Calgary's 2-4-1 in their last seven head-to-head meetings with St. Louis dating back to the 21-22 season. So that's next up for the uh, Flames. Blues on Tuesday, then the homestand continues Thursday against Columbus at 7 and wraps up one week from tonight next Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. That'll be an 8 o'clock start next Saturday here at the Dome. There you go. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Okay, let's get back to the text line now, 960-960. Lots uh, to get into still on the text line this evening. Uh, This says from Denny, after tonight's game, I've come to a realization, and it's tough to admit, but they're just not good enough. When do they hit the rebuild button? Well, let's see what happens with the decisions they've got to make. Let's see what happens with the uh, unrestricted free agents first. Um... This says this team cannot beat the Oilers. They cannot beat Vancouver. They will not beat Winnipeg. Lucky if they make the playoffs. I doubt it. It's time to trade all the free agents, actually give players away, um, beg Montreal to take Huberdeau, Ruzicka, and uh, take those for nothing. I mean, that's a very cynical text. Um, Do I think they can beat the Oilers in a playoff series? That's a tough task. Really curious to see um, the next time the Flames play Vancouver. I'm really excited to see those two teams play again just because it's been a while since we've seen the Flames and Canucks play, and Vancouver just keeps on getting better and better. So I'm curious to see how the teams match up the next time they play. Um, Will they make the playoffs? I don't know. They're in the mix. Uh, They definitely don't have the best chance of the teams in the mix to make the playoffs, but they're also not out of the mix. So, you know, they still have everything to play for. It's all on the table for them. On top of that, um, what they do with these unrestricted free agents is is going to be what shapes the rest of this season and what kind of propels them into the offseason and, and the direction they're going to go there. 
This says, why didn't the Flames challenge the first goal for offside? Looked offside to me. Um, I, I think the reason why would be, so this this would be my guess, um, and, and I don't think it was asked to, to Coach Huska afterwards, but my guess is the Oilers had all the momentum in that period, and... They had just finally broken through on Vladar to make it one nothing, And it was borderline. It might have been offside. It might have been not offside. It was borderline. It wasn't – it was not clear cut for me, at least from the angles that I saw. Um, and, and it could have been overturned and, and called the no goal, or they might have let it stand. The issue is you're getting worked in that period, and now they finally scored, and then you're going to put McDavid and Dreisaitl and Bouchard and Nugent Hopkins and Hyman out there for 80, 90, 100 seconds on the power play. I think that might have been why they erred on the side of caution. That's just my guess, though. I don't know for sure. Uh, this saw... Uh, uh, this says, rather, I saw Shillington play the Firebirds last night fast but looked behind in timing and most parts of his game didn't impress too much. Well, again, it's his second game in 20 months, so give him some time and that's why now he has the opportunity to practice for a little while with the Flames as he continues to get closer and closer to a return but still a little ways off in that respect. Scotty and Victoria honestly uh, says I honestly thought they played great against a strong Oilers team if it wasn't for that fluky goal it could be a different story. Unfortunate to be honest. Uh, this reads from Jenny and Birdie and Highwood. We're wondering if you could speak to the burn it down and rebuild sentiment is there an example you can think Think of where this approach worked and delivered the results the fans were hoping for on a reasonable or any timeline. Well, not yet. Like in terms of that, there have been teams that have gotten really good picks. Like there's no doubt about that. Um, Colorado got McKinnon and um, trying to think of some of the other uh, Stanley Cup winners here. You know, Steven Stamkos and Nikita, uh, Nikita Kucherov's a second-round pick, so bad example. Uh, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos were high picks for the Lightning, and they've won multiple Stanley Cups here. Um, th- those are a couple just examples off the top of my head of teams that have gotten high picks, right? But in neither of those cases, just off the top of my head, did those teams actively, purposely try to tank to get the first overall selection or to get a high pick. It just kind of happened because they failed miserably at building hockey teams, right? And so Chicago tanked to get Connor Bedard, and it's in year one. We have no idea how that's going to go. So I can't think off the top of my head of an example of a team like even Chicago getting Taves and Kane way back you know, 15, 20 years ago, they were just awful. They were a horrible franchise. And they got those picks and finally figured it out. They had gotten lots of high picks before. And, re- like, just they, they whether uh, Kyle Calder and, geez, I can't remember the other name that they really, really liked, and it's going to bug me for a little while. But, you know, the fact of the matter is um, – in my opinion and in my recollection, and I could be wrong, text line might get all over me and give me a few examples, but I can't think of a team that has actively tanked, got their pick, and then had the, had the success they've wanted. You know, the Oilers got McDavid, and they're trending in a very, very scary-looking direction right now. Scary being like they, they look terrifying to play against, and tonight was no different. Um, but 
No, I, I can't really think of that. Now, that's not to say that you don't need high picks to win because I think that's, that is important. And I think you need to nail your first-round draft picks. You know, even Dallas in the draft, everybody talks about where they got Haskin in, uh, Ottinger, and Hintz. They still got Haskin in number three overall. So I do think getting that high pick is is a big part of, of kickstarting a franchise. I don't think this year is the year that that's going to happen for the Flames, but that doesn't mean that them trading away UFAs and bringing back future capital draft, NHL-ready players, so on and so forth, is a bad thing either. Um what else we got here on the text line at 969.60? This says the Leafs was the pivotal game. They showed us what they were made of. They can't come close to matching the Oilers' talent, period. If it wasn't for Vladar, it would have been a smoke show. Where's the $10 million guy? Um, this says at 969.60, this from Shubes. Evening, Pat. I missed the first, heard the second, and watched the third. Game decided by a fluke goal. Otherwise, I think Vladar and the guys held their own. In the final 40, they did. In the first period was um, was was not close. This reads, wow, that Uyghur interview from earlier, that's honesty, that's leadership. I hope the rest of the guys are feeling the same, pissed off. The team played hard for 40, but that first period was brutal. Vladar made the score look much more respectable than it truly was. This reads, uh, Pat, I'm curious what you've thought of Elias Lindholm's season. Is he hurting his trade value? I saw a tweet tonight that showed he's on pace for 14 goals and that he has some of the worst analytics on the team. Not sure if you saw that. I, I have been aware of the, the underlying numbers are not sexy and have not been uh, for a couple of seasons now. Um, do I think he's hurting his trade value? No. Because I think that there are enough teams that know his value, regardless of the offensive numbers. They know his defensive game. They know his shutdown game. They know that he still has a great shot and and is a guy that you know is is good for twenty goals to thirty goals a season usually. So I still think that the Flames will get a good return for Lindholm. It just that return hasn't materialized for him yet if that's the way the Flames decide to go. Um, this says Vladar was for sure the hardest-working Flame. He's been really solid all season, but the rest of the team has to step up. They played like they had, they played like they had butter on their sticks with all those missed passes and muffed shots. This from Nathan, who says, Great game tonight, hard fought, felt like a playoff game, and the boys played hard. Few thoughts. What a great game by Vladar. He was unreal, especially in the opening 20. Sucks that it ends with a tough bounce. I also thought some of the young guys struggled with the tight checking physical nature of the game otherwise solid game Oilers deserve to win but it's unfortunate how it ended and stings that much more losing to the biggest rival uh, this reads, fun game. Flames put in a great effort against a rolling team. Vladar was out of his mind. The Oilers deserved the win, but this game deserved a better game-winning goal. Lame way to decide a game like this. And finally, this says, tough way to lose on a bounce like that. Would be nice if Casper, the $10.5 million ghost, would show up in a game that actually meant something. Uh, there you go. That's uh, your text line tonight at 960-960 as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome in round number two of this year's Battle of Alberta. Let's get back to the text line. Rather, that is the text line. Great stuff there. Let's get back to the phone lines now at 403-240-4444. Got a few more phone calls to get to as we continue along on our Flames Talk post-game show. Let's kick it off by saying hello to our guy, Robert. What's up, Robert? Good morning, buddy. 
Good morning, sir. Let me hear you. Bucks chance tomorrow. I think they've got a chance. Um, I think they're in tough. That's a damn good Lions team that looks like a team of destiny. I won't even like. I I obviously am cheering for the Bucks, but I. Uh, I will still be very, very um, enamored by Detroit if uh, they end up winning in this game because I, the Lions are such a great story. They're a hell of a team. They seem like they've got that. They embody their coach. Um, you know, I think they're vulnerable in a couple of spots, and I think if if Evans especially um, can be a little bit more of a factor because his physicality, similar to Nakua of the Rams, if he can yeah. if he can get his uh, if he can get be a little bit more a part of the game plan and if Baker can hook up with him a couple more times. I think the Bucs have got a chance, but yeah. I, I, I think that the Lions, the Lions scare me, and playing in Ford Field scares me. Um, so I think, I, I think they've got a good chance of keeping it close anyway. Anyway, good luck to, tomorrow. Thank you, pal. Buddy, you know, uh, I want to get a couple of things off my chest tonight. You know, it's amazing to go to these games and see how many Oilers fans get to our building. Like, I don't know if people sell tickets. I, I don't know. But it, it's just starting, Patty, to see how many Oilers leave fans get into our building in these games. I don't see this in a, a other building. I've been in Edmonton. No, but you're, you're cherry-picking, Robert. And, I, and I, I'm going to say, I'm just going to give you a few examples in okay. recent memory. Um, for instance, uh, there was recently a game in Colorado where it was like uh, 45% yeah. Boston Bruins fans. Yes. Um, and no, and no. There's, been games, there's been games in Vegas where it's been like 60% Rangers fans. Yes, uh, so, I understand that, so, Eddie. I'm not so going I just don't think it's it's unique here. Uh, and I will say, like two years ago when the Flames were having the, the great year with Johnny and Matthew, um, there was a couple, There was at least one, if not two, games in Vancouver where it was like 35-40% Flames fans. And I've been at games in Edmonton where there's been a, a good uh, – and there's always a good showing, but there's been a really good chunk of Flames fans at, at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So that's all I'm saying. I didn't mean it to say – like cherry picking, I just said it. It's kind of discerning, you know, because Patty in Italy, when in, in my soccer team Inter Milan, when we're the yes. home team, they only allow certain tickets to the opposition. That's anyway. Let's get off that. It wasn't cherry picking. It was just for me. See so many other fans, leave fans. It's not a good thing for me. It wasn't Fair enough. Picking. Fair enough. Second thing I want to get into, you know, Patty, I, I don't get attached to players. I get it's a jersey I'm attached to. But tonight, Uyghur, I like what he said. I really did. Okay. Yeah. It was honest. Yeah, I, li- I like comments like that. Now let's get into the game. I don't know the fan base. We lost by a lucky goal. We we. McDavid drives out and get a point. We're losing the whole focus of of this game tonight, Patty. Number one, thank God McDavid drives out and weren't going. Number two, if we can't win tonight, how are we going to beat this team and many other teams? Number three, Patty, how you go, how you become a star like that? I'm sorry, Patty. This this losing on a fluke goal. This first period, 
was atrocious. Atrocious, point blank, in every department, starting with the coaching staff preparing, the players, because they're the ones who decide games, atrocious. Atrocious, atrocious. In a game that you don't even have to say show up, your biggest rivalry. You can beat them? No. And now we're nitpicking. We're competitive in second period. We got beat on a fluke goal. Honestly, Patty, uh, Patty, you know, I'm a a little wound up already, you know. Really, this is is what we're talking about here, that we're competitive for two periods and we got beat by a fluky goal? Really? Go ahead, Patty. Answer. That's not, I mean, that's the way that the game went. I don't know what you'd like me to say. No, the game didn't go that way, Patty. We didn't show up in the first period. But I've also said that. But I, I, I don't know what you're. I've also. I've five six nothing. Robert, Robert, I've said that like Robert, Robert, Robert. I've said that like twenty times that they got their. No, no, but the fans. Well, I can't. I can't speak for you. Asked me to respond. I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for me. Okay, so let's get into the next topic quickly. Sure. Why, why any educated, intelligent hockey fan of this hockey club would want a reason for this team to make the playoffs, to put more money in Murray Edwards' pockets, which he don't care where, what we do? What's the reason you want this team to make the playoffs? And I heard you say that nobody's really tanked on purpose, but let me tell you, Patty, without getting those top five picks, Regardless how you get them, you'll never amount to anything in this league. So if, if there's some fans here who are happy this team sneaks into the playoffs, to me they're not fans. You know what they are? Uh, dreamers. So we're no, I, I don't. I don't think that's fair, Robert. No? I think that. I think that you can. You can be a fan who really just likes to see your team win hockey games and loves playoff oh, hockey. Oh, like no, I, no, 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 no. Let me stop you there, Patty. I didn't, I didn't ask that question. I said a f- person who follows this team as much as I have. For the let's go the last fifteen years, Robert. I just I don't I don't think it I don't think it, Robert. Robert, I don't think it matters. Robert, that's the question I'm asking. I don't. I can't speak for other people, but I just don't think that you can say that they're not true fans because I didn't they don't say, think I didn't exactly think like you do. Way. Maybe I mis- I misworded. I said what any what fan would want to sneak in the playoffs and stay in Death Valley for another year, like we've been doing for the last uh, twenty years. I don't. A fan who would rather their team be competitive than watch two or three or four or five years of them not being competitive. I'm not saying what's right or wrong. You're just asking me a question. That's the type of fan that would like that. I'm, I'm not – that doesn't make them a bad fan or doesn't make them an uneducated fan. It just makes them different than you. That's right. It makes them a fan that it's okay to stay in that valley, make money for the owners – because what that's important to Murray Edwards is to make money, not to win. Let the taxpayers build them a new arena, and let's keep, let's keep on puzzling on for another 10 years. Let's finish eight playoff bubbles, get into playoffs, get blasted out, 
Two playoff rounds, Patty, since 20. Okay, Robert, but that's not even. We don't even know. Like, we don't even know that's what's happening here. Well, they, 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 no, they've got, they've got, got lots of decisions we, we don't know what's to make happening, here. Patty, because the owner of the, the owner of this club. See, you're talking about trading Lindum, trading Hannafin, Tan of this and that. We're we're talking about all these things, but the question nobody's asking point blank is, right? The point blank. When is this ownership and Dom ever going to consider or try to be a Stanley Cup contender? That is the question we have to ask. So we'll see in the next two months. I hear people, everybody written stone. Oh, yeah, Conrad's got the keys. Conrad's got this. We'll see, Patty. We'll see. Just remember what I've been preaching a lot of times in here. It's Murray Edwards we have on the top, the owner. Can he be replaced? No. That's the thing. Thank you for taking my call. Go back go for you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, Robert. A pleasure, as always. A uh, couple more calls before we wrap up on our Flames Talk postgame show. Daryl is up next. What's up, Daryl? Hey, Pat. Thanks for uh, sticking on after hours here. It's great. Uh, happy with what you're doing out there and keeping everyone uh, keeping everyone level-headed. <laughs> well, I'm doing my best. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. Um, I just wanted to take a couple good takeaways. I was at the game tonight. I thought the atmosphere was actually good. Just having a bit of you know a bit of a split with the Oilers and the Flames fans. I thought it was good. Full house. It was exciting. Um, I thought Weger had a great game. You know, just fully in intensified the you know the the offense which was great and uh you know having the ability to have Vidar just stand on his head multiple times you know it kept it kept the fans motivated and, and uh you know ultimately keeping Connor and dry settle off the off the score sheet was huge um I just had a couple questions in in the sense of Hannah and uh Hannafin and Tanif it was uh just seemed like a, an off game for both of them and as well the Coleman just seemed like he had some rocks in his gloves tonight, but just a lot of a lot of things that were just not adding up tonight in the sense of motivation. I, I think, you know, I just was wondering what your thoughts on the, on that because the, the D was leaving some big gaps open, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of centralized takeaways, which was led to some of the D's pinching in. Right. Uh, well, definitely in the first period, there was a lot of that going on. Gaps in the first period were uh, atrocious, um, and really allowed the Oilers to, to kind of get to their speed game in that first 20 minutes, which is why Vladar had to be so so good in the first period because the Oilers ran the show to such an extent. Um, I thought that I actually, the, the one that I would disagree on is Coleman. I thought that he had a really solid game. Uh, Coleman's pass to Uyghur was high end and, and showed a lot of patience in waiting for Uyghur to get to his spot where he could outlast CeCe. Um, the uh, and I thought that line was the only one that was kind of going for the Flames all night with Backlund and Mangiapane, who I thought had solid games as well. But otherwise, yeah, I think that they there were definitely some stretches where you know, especially in the first period, into the second period, where you know they just you know there there was a little bit of um, the execution and the puck management was was a little off for them for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah, I agree with. There was a couple of great uh, opportunities that Coleman opened up. Just seemed like he was just a tad off, and then obviously with his interview, he was uh, frustrated overall. But um, the other thing I was going to ask is just just coming on the breakouts. It just seems so. I'm not quite sure if they're just 
looking over their shoulder, thinking, you know, they got so much focus on Dreisaitl and McDavid that, you know, they just keep retreating and retreating and retreating, and they end up getting back in. And, you know, I'm not a hockey coach or anything, but it's just, you know, from a backside, it's just, you know, we're just watching it and we're just like, I, I don't understand why they keep retreating back. I get it. They're trying to reset, but every time they did that, then the puck possession for the Oilers was, you know, tremendous. It just seemed odd. Again, I, I thought that a lot of like a lot of those observations, I think, are bang on in the first period. But I thought that they retreated a whole lot, a whole lot less, rather, as the game went along. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, no, thanks, thanks for the uh, call there, Pat, and you have a great night. You as well, Daryl. Be well, man. Take care. And uh, one more call tonight. We'll say hello to James on our Flames Talk post game show. What's up, James? How you doing tonight, Pat? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. I just have a couple questions. I was going to say, uh, in regards to Lindholm, what do you think the uh, realistic um, um, a trade value would be for uh, for uh, Lindholm for picks? Um, I think what you'd be looking for is a first-round pick, um, and then if you could get a, a, a young NHLer to go along with that, like a young kind of higher-end um, guy who might be either buried in a team system or who is close to being ready for the NHL or maybe is on an NHL team right now, but again, fits an age range of kind of, I don't know, 21 to 24, 21 to 23, somewhere in that range. I think that that's a decent step. Maybe if you could add another pick to that, um, especially because his contract is so friendly, um, you, you might be able to get a more cap-strapped team to pay a little bit more for some salary retention, which is an option that they've got. So uh, that would be uh, that would be kind of the ballpark I'd be looking at. Yeah, and then I was going to say with Hamilton, I, I heard there's talk now that there uh, might be re-signing him now, eh? We'll see. I mean, I definitely think that the the door remains open for that. I, I definitely think that that um, with with Noah, those conversations continue to be open, and we'll see if they end up getting to a place where there is a contract. I, I definitely think of the three UFAs, Hannafin is the one who's most likely to re-sign. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I wanted to say thank you to you you do a bang up job, and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a sounding board. So uh, I want to say I want to give you a big thank you, and uh, I want to say thank you to all you do, and you have a wonderful night, Pat. Thank you, James. Good to hear from you as always, buddy. Yeah, and uh, that will wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you very much for your texts. Thank you very much for your phone calls. Tough one. Uh, Flames got a great showing from Dan Vladar. Unable to win one for him. And in the end, a weird one from Gagne wins it at 139 of the third period. It's time for tonight's final summary as we move towards the end of tonight's Flames Talk postgame show. 
Uh, Oilers never trailed in this game as they opened the scoring at 15.03 of the first period in what was a dominant opening 20 for the Oilers. They only scored one. Ryan McLeod ripped home his ninth of the year from Warren Fogle and Vincent DeHarnay, and it was one nothing Oilers after 20 minutes of play. But the Flames definitely started to move this game to a whole lot closer to even in the final 40 minutes of play. They tied it early in the second on Mackenzie Wieger's 10th of the year. Wieger from Blake Coleman at 158, and we had a 1-1 game after 40 minutes of play. But that uh, fluky, weird bounce early in the third period that we talked about uh, was the game winner, and it came at 139 of the third. Sam Gagne kind of from behind the net off of a couple of bodies and things and in for his fifth of the year. Gagne from Cody Cece and Dylan Holloway, and it was 2-1. Flames couldn't beat Stuart Skinner from there, and then a pretty good effort on an empty netter from Zach Hyman seals it to make it 3-1. Hyman's 28th at 19-25 from Ryan Nugent Hopkins into the empty net got us to our 3-1 final score. Final shots, 32-27 in favor of the Oilers. Calgary goes 0 for 3 on the power play. Edmonton 0 for 2 with the man advantage tonight. Your uh, three stars tonight, number three, Warren Fogle of the Oilers, number two, Stuart Skinner, and your number one star making 29 stops was Dan Vladar this evening. With the Lost Flames fall to 21-20 and 5, they're back in action Tuesday at home to St. Louis, while Edmonton improves to 26-15 and 1. They're back in action Tuesday at home to Columbus. That's your final summary now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson for our on-site engineers Tim Khalil and Jeff Mason for our reporter Matty Rose and for our outstanding producer Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Tuesday next up for the Flames they'll host the St. Louis Blues. 7 o'clock face-off, 6 o'clock warm-up right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your your weekend final score in round two of the Battle of Alberta. Flames fall 3-1 to the Oilers. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.